Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Hallelujah. I know that it is, I know what time it is, but I do want to share on a day like today, I want to share um, the other morning as I got into the shower, I've, I've, I'm, I'm trying to write a book and it takes me like, my typing is like three words per minute. You know, I just used the index finger, and those at Stanton will know this very well. After him being with me, Matt, they would never put an ounce of money on me in a spelling bee. My spelling is so bad that autocorrect can't even find the words to help say something to the wording that I'm trying to put down. But what gives me hope is Chris Valentin writes the same way. And he's authored several books. How many knows that I believe just God is just looking for the expression that he places in us, and it doesn't matter what it's like. So I've come to realize, you know what? Hey, um, I can pay somebody to edit all of that stuff that I've got now. And I've had to learn through my writing that, um, that Catherine, she and I would, I would be honest, because of me, we would get in uh, some some heated prayer moments and um, because I would tell her you don't change it because you're changing what God said and she said there's no way we can put this I mean run on sentence with all this wrong grammar out for somebody to read so I've learned that when she brings correction to it or she brings she doesn't change what God is saying she actually just clarifies what the Lord is saying so if you will turn with me to Acts chapter 9 I'm going to preach this very quick and as I told you, this is just 22 years of my life. So I am, I am writing a book on the pathway to inheritance. How many knows that God wants us to walk in inheritance? I don't believe that anybody should start from scratch. I don't believe that's the will of the Lord. We can say that. It sounds tongue-in-cheek that I'm a self-made man. Nobody's a self-made man. Somebody invested into you. Somebody helped you open the doors for you're ever going to walk in your destiny. I got this from Jensen Franklin years ago. Joseph met two men in a prison. He met a baker and a butler. A baker, somebody who takes what you have have with your life and they begin to put things together and then a butler someone who opens doors you're going to have to have someone to give you a shot someone to give you a chance are you with me now and so there is a pathway to walking in that inheritance there there is a pathway and so I, I'm going to give you uh, it's dangerous I'm never a point type preacher but this morning I just want to I want to title my message a pathway into inheritance and I'm going to preach as quick as I can uh, through this, but I just want this to get in us, okay? And so I have, um, uh, she didn't really want to be on the camera or whatever, but uh, Dayon's with us this morning. And so wave and show the people. She's been with us, uh, Lord, I'm, I don't know, probably since um, I was uh, 22 years old as when, when we first met her. And so she's a dear friend uh, to us. And so she drove up uh drove up this weekend uh, just to hang out with us. And so, anyhow, so she, uh, 
She's with us this morning. So she'll be very familiar, and I, I, I give you a privilege to jump up and say if I'm lying to the people, whatever we, so anyhow, I'm just, all right, let's look at this. Number one, number one in the pathway inheritance, this is where it all starts. It all starts with an encounter. God uses nobody without an encounter. You with me? It starts out with that encounter. I mean, whether that's a, that's a, a, I mean, you could take this in a multiple different ways, but I got to go back into my own life. I graduated in 1997 from high school as a heathen. I, I did not know the Lord. I, I knew very little about the Lord. And then I, I started having these things that were leading up to what I call the encounter I had with the Lord on February the 2nd of 1998. I had a three-hour visitation from the Lord. I did not go to church. I did not. I, 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 it didn't happen at church. It happened on a Monday afternoon, and the Lord just kind of overshadowed me. And so I'm just telling you that it all begins with an encounter. A man with experience is not held against someone with just knowledge, okay? God wants to lead us into encounters. And so I begin to think about this. It was Abraham. It was Abraham who, who, who heard the voice of the Lord say, leave your, father's, leave your father's house, leave your father's country, and go into a land which I'll show you. It was Moses who had the encounter with the Lord at the burning bush. It was Joseph who had the encounters with the dream, and Paul who had the encounter on the road to Damascus. So when God gets ready to do something great in your life, he will begin with an encounter. You with me now? This is where it begins. Number two, after you encounter the Lord, after you encounter the Lord, the Lord will release a call into your life. I believe all are called in this room, not just the ones that hold the microphone. All have been called. Are you with me now? The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. In Matthew 22, 14, there is a difference between the chosen and the called. Are you with me now? All right. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, the apostle Paul said, I was called to be an apostle according to the will of God. There is a call that goes forth. We encounter the Lord. The next thing happens is the call of God. The call of God happened on my life three months after I was saved. Three months after I had an encounter with the Lord, I felt like the Lord had called me into the ministry. I was riding in the back seat of a truck, a, a Ford Dooley truck, on my job, and I was reading the story of Matthew 25, the story of the ten virgins, which is right now going on during the feast. Are you with me now? And so it's the story of the ten virgins, and I was reading that, and and all of a sudden, the three men in the vehicle disappeared out of the vehicle. This is the second time God began to encounter me in this supernatural way. The three men in the vehicle disappeared as I was reading that, and I heard a voice tell me, go tell the church to get on fire and get the oil. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. So listen to this. What's crazy is you don't even do this, do you, Junior? I mean, you don't let the Bible leave as clear in the book of Timothy that we do not put a new convert in any type of position lest he, lest he get a big head. And so I had a pastor that was the, the pastor that was pastoring our church or whatever. This time I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm going to a denominational church that did not believe in speaking in tongues, that did not believe in the, in the, in the prophecy and all the things that we believe in this room today. But how many knows that God will put you according to what he's called inside of you? You trust him as a divine teacher. He will lead and guide you to the paths that you're supposed to go. Are you with me now? So in this... I go to my pastor and I said, man, this is what just happened to me. 
The three men disappeared. I'm reading the story of Matthew 25 in a little red pocket New Testament. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, go tell the church to get on fire. He said, man, God's calling you to preach. And I said, do what? And I remember preaching on a Wednesday night. He gave me a Wednesday night. He was smart enough not to give me Sunday morning. He gave me Wednesday night. Are you with me? And so I preached, and I preached about four or five times, and then I just couldn't get it together. Um, <clears throat> still don't have it together great today, but I really didn't have it together good then. And so I just told my mom, I said, maybe God didn't really call me to preach the gospel. And, and so I went through a period of time in that season where I wasn't sure. And then I had some people in my family that started giving me books. You can only change if you hurt too much to change or if you informed enough to change. And then I started realizing, holy smoke, my church is not preaching everything that I need to become a preacher of the gospel. So first of all, if I'm going to try to preach the gospel, I need to be anointed to preach the gospel. Are you with me now? I need to be anointed to preach the gospel. So then I, I got this book by T.D. Jakes called Anointing Fall on Me. And I began to ask God for his anointing to come upon my life. And, and so, and, and, and that took me through another process, but it led me outside the walls of my church. And it led me to a church that was preaching a little different water. And God anointed me in that church to preach his word. Now, so it starts out with an encounter. Then you go into a call. Acts chapter 9. Let's look right here. In verse 15, he said, but the Lord said to him, this is after, this is, this is Saul of Tarsus having the encounter on the road to Damascus, on the road to Damascus. And now he's speaking to Ananias in, here in, in Acts 9 verse 15. He said, but the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Here's God revealing to Ananias the call of God that he's got on his life. Let's look at Acts chapter 13. Y'all Okay. One thing that I didn't know in my 20s, just like now, today's just another, another chapter reset in this big, large book. I mean, we ain't even close to the end. You with me now? We, I'm, I'm just going to tell you because when I get to the promise, I want to talk about when, when I received the promise from the Lord and how long it's taken to get into that promise. You do Nobody comes into maturity overnight. You with me? Salvation is free, but maturity is very expensive. Salvation is free, but maturity is very expensive. Maturity takes going to a path. You remember this. I think this is what actually called you to believe in me. You, I, Lord, just remind me of something. You remember, you remember when I was young, you remember a message that I, that I preached on the five smooth stones. When David went up to choose the stones out of the river brook, he did not get a jagged stone. He got five smooth stones. Do you know the process that it takes to smooth a stone in the river? It takes sand particles, debris, and everything else constantly flowing into that stream, bringing irritation to that rock to begin to shave the jagged edges off of that rock and that rock had to be willing to stay in that river to allow that process to happen. This is why the Bible says many are called. Many will just be fine with their calling. But I've always sought God. I want to be one of the chosen. Come on, y'all. Right, look at this. So, so now, look at in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. 
Now let's look at verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there was certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manania, he had been brought up with, with Herod, uh, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, look at this, the Holy Spirit. Who? The Holy Spirit. I don't believe the callings, the callings of God don't come from your family. They come from the Lord. Come on, somebody. Even a ministry gifts in Ephesians 4 said these are gifts of Christ himself given as a gift unto the church. You with me now? All right, for the equipment of the saints. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted, they prayed and laid hands on them, which is what we did, and they sent them away. When they laid hands on them, listen, if it's really real, if what we're talking about this morning is real, fivefold gifting carry real gifts in the realm of the Spirit. The prophet carries gifts in the realm of the Spirit. If we honor the prophet, we shall receive a prophet's reward. What is the prophet's reward? The ability to see and hear like the prophet. But the thing is, the prophet goes through hell in high water with gas in both, a lot of fluid in both pockets. He's drugged through the mire. But if the, if we can only honor him, we can get his reward to come upon our life. What does the teacher carry? He carries information, not just any information. He carries the ability to be formed from the inside and grounded in the word of God. And if we honor that, that grace can come on our life. What does the evangelist carry. He carries a fiery heart for the lost of God. And all we got to do is honor that and it comes upon our life. This is how Ephesians talks about the, the fit, the perfectly fit man on the earth. He has a diet from all these gifts. If you just watched Charles Stanley, you underfed. I mean, ice cream's good. I ate some yesterday coming back from, the, from fishing. It's really good with me? I just got to stay away from it. Lord Jesus, devils, we fighting. You hear me? So, so anyhow, but you can't, you can't become healthy just eating ice cream. You with me now? If it is real, if it is real, and I, I know it is, but I'm just laying my case here this morning that when they prayed for him when they laid hands on him of this presbytery that laying on the hands is a serious thing what you just witnessed is a serious thing from heaven's point of view this ain't no tongue in cheek when Paul told Timothy he said fan in the flame the gift of God was in, that is within you where did he get that gift from by the laying on of hands Things are transferred through the laying on of hands. That's why you need to be careful. Just Don't just run through any prayer line and allow any Tom, Dick, and Harry to lay hands on you because things are transferred. Are you with me now? So the Holy Spirit came in the midst of that meeting. How did he speak this? He spoke this through prophetic utterance, revealed this to the presbytery, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. When he said separate them, what happened? They were called at this point to do a work for God. Then the presbytery and the fivefold come in there and laid hands on them and sent them and empowered them to do the work. You okay? So I've gave you two. Number one's the encounter. Number two's the call. All, right. All of this will happen very rapidly in your Christian life. Within eight months of being a Christian, 
I had an encounter, and I knew I was called of God. Y'all looking at me like, this will happen very rapidly. David was destined to be king. God took him very quickly to the palace, but he didn't allow. It took him him almost 15 years to become king. God will reveal the destiny at the very beginning in a very short period of time, but it doesn't mean you're going to walk in that in that short period of time. Everybody's on a different route in this room. Do you understand this? We're all headed to the same place, but everybody's at different levels in this room. And the greater the call of God on your life, the greater the struggle you're going to have. You remember when Rebecca went to God and said, God, why is this? I'm struggling with this pregnancy like I ain't never before. God spoke to her and said, the nations are shut up in your womb. There's two children that represents nations shut up in your womb. And if that's the call of God on your life, Joseph, come on, somebody. I'm just trying to help us here. If you have a five-talent calling like Joseph, you ain't going straight to the palace. You're going to take a side trip to the pit. Your brothers is going to lie on you. They're going to step on you. And you're going to have the Potiphar's wife's going to lie on you. You're going to get, you, I'm just telling you this is why Paul with the great calling of God, he writes back at the end of his life and he said upon the abundance of revelation given to me there was a thorn sent to me. Come on somebody. And I prayed and asked God to remove this thorn from my life but he said Paul my grace is sufficient for you. It is to keep me out of place of humility all right. Man, I got to hurry. I ain't going to get through these. Number three, this happened to me when I was about 20, 24, 25. I knew I was called. <clears throat> I had an encounter, and I'm at this place called Cutting Edge Ministries. This is where uh, we met Dayon. And Dayon's been in the city her whole life. She don't know nothing about country folk. And so anyhow, she's just been, she's been in the city her whole life. And so I was cooking last night. We was frying something because we fry stuff down in the south. You know what I'm saying? And so I was asking about this. And she's also a, uh, she's also a culinary chef. She can cook. And so, but we was talking about this, this uh, certain kind of fish that John Ben caught. And I was like, what is the best way to cook it? And Grant said, Daddy just fried. Everything's good fried. Spoken like a good southern. We fry ham, we fry Oreos, we fry everything in the South. Go to, go to New York, sell a sweet tea and a fried Oreo. Do what? Somebody was said about fr- deep fried ham. Man, that's a heart attack. You need to eat that in the ambulance, a deep fried ham. All right, I gotta quit. This him. So I was, we were, we were there. We were serving just like them. We were serving in that ministry. So listen to this. Just as God placed Ruth in a field, when you receive the encounter and you receive the call, God will also place you in a field. And he will place you in the field just like Ruth, the glean on the outside of that ministry. This is where it starts. Leadership does not start on the front row. It starts at the very back row, and you glean in that field. Hey, she had worked for days before Boaz ever took any notice of her. This is the call of God. This is the process how God works. We got to be willing to serve with no title. We got to be willing to serve where because it must flow out of the heart so God began to put us in a field and to be honest this this is not the the power and the presence of God in that house was unbelievable the call of worship on that house was unbelievable but there was a lot of things that I disliked 
And God knows, listen, he's the divine teacher. So he's going to put people in your path that will get you to where you're going. And some of them you're not going to like. Lord, I butted heads a lot. <laughs> because I'm hard-headed. Well, listen here, you're going to have a hard path. <laughs> hard head equals hard path. You write that in your diary until you change that hard head. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Right, listen, so at the beginning, I preached everywhere. I had a full itinerant ministry when I was 19 years old. Full. Preaching city after city. I'm 23 at all tanks. I mean, I mean, nobody lets me. My, my closest friends don't even let me preach. My pastor don't even let me preach. Unless she was sick. So I was like, Lord Jesus, I worship you. Could you remove your hand the weekend, Lord? Let a colder little flu come in. Nah, y'all don't feel me. Y'all ain't going to help me. Listen. Huh? Then we hired a staff member, a girl. She got higher rank than I did. So I go home and tell Catherine, I said, Oh, when they sick, do they call her or me? I can out preach anybody in the building. And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you 24 more months of hiddenness. Keep opening that mouth. Y'all don't feel me up in here. Come on, somebody. Then, listen to this. My pastor was in prayer and went into a vision of me and my wife laying in our bed, and God told her exactly what I said. We got called in the office. And then I got a revelation. Okay, Lord, <laughs> I repent before heaven. God, I do not want an extended time in this season of my life, but help me speed this process up. Kill me, whatever you got to do, Lord, but speed this up. Now, I'm, now we're going to do a pastor appreciation day, and usually we called somebody to come in. But this particular Sunday... They said, I want you to be able to preach your pastor appreciation Sunday. So I, I, I remember back then, we, we would pray for like eight hours, and I would be in there and just in turmoil. God, give me the word. Give me the word. Give me, give me just, God, give me the word. I had like 8,000 messages, but give me the word. And so... <clears throat> Gather memory. Did you remember this? It'd be approaching about time, and I'd be in there about to throw up because I wasn't on the word. Lord Jesus, let me give you some great things right here. Whatever God's feeding you in your life to the people he's got connected, that's where you feed from. Are you with me? So I turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 that opens like this, that Elisha is with the sons of the prophets. Those place where they are meeting are too small. They got to increase the Lord, the, the, increase the size of the school of the prophets. There's one that is working there, and the scripture says that he asked Elisha, "Would you come oversee the work in which we do it?" Elisha goes down to oversee the work in which they're doing, and the scripture says that there was a man that was cutting. He was felling a beam, and as he felled the beam, the scripture says the axe head, the axe head come off into the water. 
We could preach for two hours what makes that axe head. What you have to do to the axe is bring it back and keep soaking it in oil. If you don't soak, what happens is the oil causes the wood to swell and keeps it locked into the... Listen here, it is the Holy Spirit that does the cutting. It is my job to do the soaking in the presence. Come on, somebody, to keep me tightly fitted, my God, to the head of that axe, which is the Lord Jesus. And I was I was reading this, and I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. I've never heard this preached. I've never seen this written in any type of literature. And I heard the Lord speak to me because the man cries out. He said, Elias, Master, that was borrowed then it says Elisha threw a stick into the water you okay with me just preaching it like this I'm in 2nd Kings chapter 6 verse 1 through 6 and so he throws a stick into the water and as the stick hits the water the scripture says he says um he says the axe head floated. Then Elisha said, pick it up for yourself. This is the process. God will bring you into a field. Jesus said it like this. How can someone give you your own ministry when you can't be faithful to serve another man's ministry? Come on, somebody. So God will highlight that encounter, give you that call. Then he will bring you into a field, and he will give you something, not the pulpit up front, but he may give you a ministry over here in the side building like he did them. And I would tell Stanton, the nation's, are inside of that youth room. How you handle those kids, did I not tell you? This is how we get there. It's, it's the same way in business. It's the same way in coaching. You don't start out as the CEO. Oh, my God. When I left my job, In the upward six-figure income, I started in 1997, June the 2nd of 1997, making $5.15 an hour. Within a decade, I broke six figures. My first raise, I couldn't believe they gave me, they raised me up to $7. I'll never forget going home telling my daddy I was making $8 an hour. I said, I'm buying me a brand new truck. He said, son, you don't need to do that. I said, you don't understand. I make $8 an hour. Lord, have mercy. He should have struck me with his fist. <laughs> I bought the brand new truck. Got some payments. That thing was gorgeous. Untouched. I mean, man, I, ride. I had tinted windows, but rode the windows down with excess. After about six months of those payments, that thing didn't have the shimmer and the shine. So what happens? You, 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 you swing the borrowed axe. Listen to this. If you can't sing from the congregation, how are you going to sing on the pew? How are you going to sing on the stage? If you can't be faithful to study the Word of God when nobody's looking, how are you ever going to preach? Come on now. If a man tells me he wants to preach, take me to your library. Show me how many books you've read in 2020. Hello. I don't like to read, but you ain't called to preach. Come on now. Let's just go through. I'm just telling you things of pastoring. How many people have come to me and said, I've been to five churches. I've been to five churches and the people won't notice the gift on my life. Let me end it right here with this church here. The reason nobody notices because that gift is not on your life. You want that gift, but it is not present on your life. Operate in the gift that God called you. Whether whatever that is, there's safety in that. All right. 
man, we got to go. So the Bardacks, if we can't be faithful, you got to be faithful to another man's vision. This is, this is how it goes. Man, I, I wanted to show all kind of pictures of, of uh, first of all, I told Stan this. He will always have this, even long after I'm dead and gone or whatever, he's always going to have these stories. He became on staff with two overweight guys. So if there was a small hole or anything in the air, there was no question who got it. And I have pictures of him on double sets of scaffolding, hanging over the edge of it. And I said, you'll be fine. I would tell him like this, listen, if you go down, we're going to be fine. But if I go down, the church is going to struggle. I was just cutting up with him. <laughs> listen, huh? I've taken him, try to show him how to fish, all of that. That's a little challenging, but he, he's accomplished it. You with me? So you, we swing the borrowed axe, right? But you know something? We never lose, we never get rid of that axe. I'm 41 years old and I'm still swinging other people's axe. But in the process of faithfulness to do that, God will touch yours and He will say, pick it up for yourself. He will start identifying your axe. Okay, let me just say this. Now here's become, you, you okay? I'm going to go past 12. Don't let that shock nobody, okay? They've already done hit what little bit of restaurants is open right now. All right? As you're in this process, God will start talking to you and He will release a promise. He'll start talking about you about a city, a business, a song, a book. He'll begin to start releasing these things into your heart. Now things are starting to things are starting to come into your heart like, man, man, where is that coming from? It's called the promise. Are you with me now? Genesis 12 talks about the promise that he gave to Abraham. And, and so let me just say this. If I don't tell you nothing else, you've got to get this last part. Because I've lived this story. In 2007, in February of 2007, I, I really began to press in to seek the Lord. The building we had got when we had planted the church in 2006, if you go back to 2006, we plant the church in May of 2006. I, the first funeral I preached was my dad. I preached his funeral, I think, on August the 2nd. He died. It was August the 2nd or August the 3rd. He died July the 31st of 2006. And so... We go. I, I, I'm in this. I'm in this place in February. I'm. I'm really trying to go after the Lord. I'm an employee of the phone company, and so I'm. At this time, I was. I was not contracting or a consultant for them. I was. I was an employee for them. So we worked eight to five. So I took my lunch hours to go to the church and pray, which was a rented building. And the first thing I hear the Lord speak to me, and He said, "What building are you in?" I said, "Lord, I'm in the church." How many knows when God asks you a question, he's not looking for you to answer it. He's asking you the question because you don't know where you're at. He didn't ask Adam like, you know, where are you at? Oh, Lord, we lost you. We, the GPS has went out on you. And so God began to speak to me, and he said, where are you at? And then I told him, I said, Lord, I, and finally I answered. I said, I'm in the building that we rented. He asked me again, and I knew that the Lord. And I was reminded in 1982 that building that I was standing in was built. And it was built as a Sears building. And God said, I brought you to the, to the house of the seer because I want you to begin to see. Not Sears, Sears and Roebuck, but Sears. S-E-E-R. 
Catherine knows this. It was in my heart. My dad was a builder. And so we knew that my dad was rapidly declining. My dad got diagnosed in November of 2005 with pancreatic cancer. And he was about 230 pounds. He, he was not, he, my dad was a beast. I got, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he just was, he didn't have the fat on him that I got. And we knew that we were up against some strong things, but my dad was, was a fighter. I mean, he was tough as nails or whatever. But anyhow, he just began to rapidly decline in, 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 in around April, at the end of April, uh, May, June. Things just didn't go good. And so I was on my dad about building me a pulpit. I said, Dad, I need you to build the pulpit down at the church because I had a pulpit, and I actually, we have it now. It's over there in in storage. God's given me all of that stuff that I had all all the way back in the day. I got all of the old cutting-edge stuff over there in that building. I'm telling you about inheritance, people here. I'm just telling you, this is how it works. And so... So in this process, I'm, I'm needing my dad to, to build me a pulpit, and I'm after him or whatever. Anyhow, he, he, my dad did not build the pulpit. He had a place at the river, and he chose to fish, which is why I love to fish, which is why my children love to fish, okay? And so in this, I never got it. He, he never built it. And so I'm laying through lunch praying, and the Lord speaks to me. And he says, your father built you a pulpit. Well, man, it shook me to the core. And I didn't even say nothing for for several days. And then I felt like that. I I, I said, I'm going to tell Catherine this. And she said, well, John, if he built it, then how how are you going to get it? I said, I don't know. I believe God can FedEx something from heaven if he has to. I don't know what y'all believe, but I believe all things are possible. I believe what the book said. I just try to keep it simple. All things are possible to them that believe. Then it took me about two or three weeks praying into that, and I realized, oh, my gosh, my dad did build a pulpit. He did build a pulpit, but it's sitting in another church, and it's only one mile from where I'm preaching at. And I go through this vision of him. I remember him building it in the shop. Now, I mean, he, he built the pulpit. And I told Matt, I said, oh, my God, God's not speaking to me about just giving me a pulpit that my dad built. God is speaking to me about giving me an entire building. And my dad and them built this building. I said, God's going to give me this building. Matt, you remember this. In 2000, in 2010, in 2010, we go to this church because they're having a conference, and I'm invited to come open up the conference, not preach, do an opening prayer. I told Matt, if God has said what he said, if this is true, and God's given me this building, I said, when I walk behind the pulpit, and when they hand me the mic, I said, the power of God hit this place like a lightning bolt. They introduced me, handed the mic, and the time I opened my mouth, the power of God fell in that place. And I mean, there was no doubt that God was speaking to us. Well, like all kind of things he quoted today, I just want to help us. We see in part and we prophesy in part. Let me say this about your promise. The way you see your promise today, I can promise you, it is much bigger, it is much wider, it is. But how do you know that? Because God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we think, ask, or imagine in his name. The promise you think you're contending for, you may see a pulpit inside of a church, but God was speaking to me about the entire region that I was going to inherit. I was going to inherit a heritage that was far more than just a church. I was going to reap resources. I was going to reap people. Come on, somebody. Now God has got me extended all the way to the coast, and we're going to make this massive sweep all throughout the south. This is what God was speaking, but I couldn't see it then. 
Junior, I'm, man, am I telling the truth? It's taken me seven years. It took me, it took me seven years from God speaking that promise to putting me at the place to when I came here at the end of 2013. And it's taken me another seven and a half years to have eyes to even begin to see what he's talking about. You okay? So we get the promise. This is where we highlight. Boy, this is where we get jumpy. Dog, brother, I've heard from God. I've got the promise of God in my hand. Here's the next step, the process. You and none of us will skip this in this room. We were talk, we've been talking about it's very it, it's phenomenal. If you've not read it, go back and read it. I'm, I'm just go back and read this. The, the final quest that Rick Jonah wrote in the middle of the 90s, it will shock you to your core what he pinned prophetically to what we're seeing happening on the earth today. He goes through all of these things about a lot of what I'm talking about this morning. And there were these mountains, and people were climbing the mountain of the Lord. And people would see this big, nice door. It was gold or whatever. And they would, and, and, and they would run through that door. They would swing through that door, open it up, and then they would, you know, wouldn't see them or whatever. And then there were little doors that nobody really wanted, and a few people were taking the little doors. But the people that took the short, the big doors, you know what happened? They went down to a dead-end thing. And they had to keep going around the mountain and around the mountain. And the people that took the little bitty doors and the things that nobody else wanted, they were the ones that were really ascending the hill of the Lord. This speaks of the call of humility. You with me now? So in this process, listen, it took Joseph 13 years. 13, look at your neighbor say 13 years. It's taken me 22 all of those dreams that you got, you that's why you got to crawl it. That's why you got to you got to log every every dream down. You got to you got to log every promise down because you're gonna go through certain seasons, things are gonna get cloudy, it's gonna get dark. I mean the warfare is gonna get strong over what you're contending for. Are you with me? So you gotta go back and look what you pinned in the light when it's in the dark. Paul. How many would not say that no one could doubt his calling? It took him 14 years before he ever showed up to begin to preach the gospel. David is anointed king. Most theologians believe between 10 to 15. So I'm going with 13 years old is when the ram's horns pulled on him. He does not show up in that palace as king until he's 30 years old. But he reigns for 40. You with me now? So God will bring us into the process. Man, I don't, I want, there's so much you can preach right here about the process. But nobody likes process. Process is not a fun time. And you really want to quit. Does anybody, how, how many ever wanted to quit? You ain't, never, you ain't never been in long enough you ain't want to quit. But I finally had to, let me just say this though we got to get to the place where quitting is not an option. Because any man that puts his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Okay? Listen, as, as what you'll see will happen, as you begin to work process out in your life, God will release this called promotion. Oh, there is a promotion, church. And God doesn't promote people in the back room somewhere. He doesn't whisper out, Hey, Miss Mary, will you come over here to the side room so we can promote you? 
No, sir. God promotes people just like he promoted David in front of Eliab and all of his boys, all of his brothers. Are you with me now? God will promote people openly in front of everyone in here because what God does then is he's going to say, okay, family of God, I'm going to see if you're really family because I'm going to judge your hearts right here and I'm going to see if there's envy and jealousy and all these things in you so when someone gets crowned right in front of us, we got to deal with it. Are you with me now? So when we make it through the process... Psalms 37, verse 23 and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Abraham was 75 years old when he got the promise, but he was 100 years old when Isaac was born. 25 years. Are you with me now? Think about it. March the 10th, 1991. Dale Young, called to be an apostle by the Lord Jesus, goes to this building over here and plants a work on, the, on Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. This house will be built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And we are still laboring in that vision. All right, let's just finish right here. Let me, let's look at Psalms. I want you to read this verse of Scripture right here, and I'm almost done. I sent Matt a quote. No, it was not too long ago, and it was about musicians. I've talked to Grant about this. I talked to Grant about practice. And I'm very old school in the way I think. Uh, it's the way I was raised. And um, everything in the old school is not bad. Y'all believe that? Everything in old school up bad. All right. But Leonard Jones, how many know who Leonard Jones is? Leonard Jones was the worship leader forever. Him and a guitar man, he raised right up. When, when Rick hired Leonard, he said, I don't want you at the church. I want you to go into the cabin. Don't come in this church, you get in the cabin. And this is what they've done with all their worship leaders. Because when I want, when you come to the church, you're not going to be singing nobody else's song because God's going to be downloading his song in you. And that's the expression we're looking for. And he writes this, and I send it to him. And he said one of, his, one of the things that aggravates him about worship teams and about musicians is they use worship as an opportunity to practice. But we're never going anywhere until your practice becomes your worship. It is in the it is in the it is in the process of the judge I can't even say judgery judgery help me right here on my poor phonics God help me right here <laughs> when you graduate and your highest book is paperback you you gonna struggle in life that's the fact they didn't tell me that but I wish I had known that. <laughs> when your most advanced English class it looks like a G-O-N magazine, you're going to struggle. That's the fact. All right. It is when that practice of drudgery, when you turn that into worship, that's what separates the good from the great. 
It is those that know the process of enduring this right now. Enduring this right now. It is when you grab your guitar when nobody's looking, but you log down 25 hours a week in your bedroom worshiping. That's what's going to set you apart in your 20s and in your 30s on down the road from everybody else that's trying to grab the trail. Because when Samuel showed up to anoint at Jesse's house, all of those boys was in that house except for David. He was not in that house. He was already out in the field. Come on, somebody. He wasn't trying to ride the curtail of nobody in that ministry, nobody in that house. He was doing his own thing, and he had done developed his relationship with God, killing the lion and the bear. Misty Edwards gave up 10 years of her life for no relationship just to hear the voice of God. Do you think she made a mistake? Look at her today. Her worship's gone all over the world. There's a difference between the called and the chosen. So let me, let me read this. Psalm 75. You ought to log this down. This is really good. I've used this all of my life. Psalm 75 verse 5 says, Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge, and he puts down one and exalts another. Promotion comes where? North from the east, nor from the west, nor from the north or the south. But promotion comes from the Lord. You just got to do what you do. And what I had to come to at a place in my life is that God knows my email address. He can see through my shingles. Come on, somebody. He knows my rising up to him going down to Psalms 139. And so when he gets ready, he knows where to find me. I'm done right here. God will release the provision. Man, there's so much we could preach right there. But let me tell you this. The goal of this in the believer's life is simply this. I'm done right here. Is at the end of that process is the father or the mother. That's the goal. God wants us to become fathers and mothers. I was listening the other night to, to um to James Maloney and he was talking about the apostolic restoration and he talked about the life of William Branham let me say this I, I think I could say this easier and everybody would agree there has never been a person on the earth since the early apostles like William Branham nor has there been one after him with that level of anointing and gifting when he prayed for the sick his left, his left hand would glow in a blue aura and it was visible to all around him the first supernatural being ever called on film by the FBI was over William Branham's head. And it was when a man was fixing to try to act like he was act like he was a false prophet and all of that when they stood against him, the angel of the Lord come and stood beside William Branham in the meeting and they snapped a picture of him and you could see the the the, the aura the circle around his his deal. When William Branham received that call, he was in he was in Jeffersonville, Indiana. He was in a he was in a, a prayer and fasting in a building and in a in a in a in a cabin out in the woods and a ball of fire entered into that cabin and a man stepped out of there, spoke to him face to face, and released the call of God on his life. He told Branham three things. He told him, number one, that if you'll be faithful 
with the healing anointing that I'll place upon your life. That I, This is what he said. He said, I've called your life as a forerunner that what shall come upon the church in the last days. Come on, that'll excite everybody in this room. What was on that man's going to be poured out on multitude. What was on Billy Graham, you realize now, going to be poured on the entire body of people. God ain't going to have his church going to one man anymore. Y'all, come on, stay with us right here. I know I'm preaching long. I'm just long-winded, okay? There's some that's preaching right here that's only 20 minutes. But he said, I'll put this as a forerunner anointing that upon your life. He said, if you'll be faithful with the healing anointing upon your life, that he said, I'll move you into a greater anointing, and that's where you can discern the very thoughts of men's hearts. Then the third thing, he said that God will use you to initiate a mother and father movement that will prepare an entire body to walk in what you're walking in. Now, William Brandon's life was cut short, and he never made it there. And what James Maloney said in front of that congregation is he said it's taken us 50 years to get back, to get back to where Branham was when he left the earth to raise up this mother and father movement. This is what God is doing on the earth, I'm telling you. Because we cannot have inheritance without mother and fathers. Well, I'm just going to serve God. I don't need a man. Try that. Show me anywhere in the Bible that works. If you, if you honor God, you will honor the man that God puts in your life. Come on now. We get all this stuff because somebody made a mistake that it's not about the man. It is about a man, and it will be about a man till he steps back on the earth. So he's raising up this father and mother movement. This is what's happened. So he goes through. When did God restore the, the when did God bring restoration to the prophetic movement in the 1980s? God began to restore the apostolic around 1994. And we're still in that restorational work. But what God has begun to do in the last five to ten years is God is raising up the army of the Lord on the earth to invade the seven mountains, friend. This is a great day to be alive. So what does God want to do with this body of people? He wants to take us through these things that I'm talking about to raise us up as mother and fathers. See, there comes a time when your hands is like this. Help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me to the time. you got to get to the place where of Hebrews 5 says that many of you ought to be teachers by now. My gosh, you've been in long enough. You ought to be teachers by now. You with me? Father, I just, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I just, I just... God, if I could tell you this, it's a great day to be alive. I am so excited. Now, let me tell you this. You think, you think things are bad now? Wait till we get in October, November. We're in October. Thank you, Lord. Help me. Update me where I'm at on the calendar. Wait till we get to November. There's some things fishing to get shaken up in this land. I said there's some things about to shake in this land like, like we've never seen shake before. But the church is going to be clothed with the power of God. I can't, I'm not worried about what the enemy is doing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a winning strategy to, 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 to sit there and study what hell's doing. I just want to hear what God's doing. I want to pray to what God's doing. We need a church to arise. Father, we love you today. 
Listen here. i got to close with this. Hey, I heard T.D. Jakes preach this years ago. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God, there will always be the beginning stages of your life. You never leave the beginning. We will always be in the beginning of something. So all of us in here is at different, different places in our life. You with me? But God's working to what? You're going to become a mother and father to lead people. That's the goal. Father, I bless these people today. Stand up on your feet. Hey, I always like to bless a city when they're here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about when somebody visits. I just think we should give them the courtesy to pray and honor and bless their city. You with me? And so, um, Dayon, um, represents the islands in the Brunswick area. She lives in Brunswick, but she likes to stay over there. You live in Brunswick, right? Huh? She lives in Brunswick. She's helped serve over the Jekyll Island Foundation. So how many have been to Jekyll Island and seen all that? Whatever. That's the restorational gift and administration gift on her life. A lot of that coming to pass over there. So there's a lot of prophecy about Brunswick, Georgia, right? The wick that burns. So Father, we pray over the burning wick this morning. Come on, church. For five minutes, give us a little faith here. Lord, how are we going, man, if the Bible says this, if, if we run with the if we run with the footmen and they weird us, how are we going to run with horses? I'm up here preaching about running with Clydesdales, church. How are we going, we, we weird with footmen, how in the world are we ever going to make it with the Clydesdales? Come on now. So, Father, we pray over the Burning Wick region this morning. Father, I pray over that. I pray over um, uh, Pastor Mike and what he's doing there on the island. And, Father, this work, Jamie Jackson and Remnant Church and all these believers on the, on the Brunswick area. Father, we just lift them up. And, Father, we just declare, God, that the east gate is open to what you want to do. We declare that the wick is burning in that region. It's going to come up and ignite this lamp, God, that's been prophesied since literally 1990, since 1990. So, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing, how you are gathering people from all different parts of the region. God, Lord, to, just to, to, you're giving eyes to see and ears to hear. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless Brunswick. We bless the coast right now in Jesus' name. We bless Tifton. We bless Valdosta. We bless this whole region this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, give God a great God bless you. Hallelujah, and we will see you Wednesday night on the live stream and see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.